Welcome everybody to the newest Freedom Tribe podcast. Today we have with us the wolf, not the wolf of Wall Street. It's even better. We have Maor with us. He's been doing media buying since for 13 years right now, and he's got a lot of different businesses that we're going to talk about today. He's got a fitness app, a fitness center. He's doing affiliate marketing, arbitrage. He has a boutique agency that works with specific kinds of clients, and he's launching a secret new project to help people who can influence and impact people's lives to create businesses around what they know about and their experience. So this episode is going to be a lot very interesting if you are interested in affiliate marketing, e-commerce, media buying, anything online marketing, or if you're looking to build a business around your expertise. Maor, thanks for being here. Thank you guys for having me. I absolutely love Hassan. So any chance I could spend with him is a chance I'm going to grab. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we love you too, bro. We do. <laughs> I feel is, is, is uh, mutual. Um, so I'm going to start with the you know, most basic question, which is you know, how, long, how long have you been in the business? How did you get started? Well, I've been in the media buying business uh, for 13 years now. Um, I started back when I was living in Jerusalem. Um, for me, it was kind of like, how do I find the biggest industry where there is big cash flow going on that I can manipulate and how I could impact uh, people the most? Um, the story that I keep on telling when I'm on stages on Geek Out and Affiliate World is my personal story where in, in really um, short, um, the short version would be that my mother and dad didn't have a lot of money when I grew up. Um, it came to the point where I think the lowest point um, that was that my mother was talking to her sister and she told her that we needed money to buy food. And back then I told myself, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to become a millionaire because I wanted her to travel the world and not just like cook food for us and just clean the house and do stuff like that because I felt that it would just be a waste of time. And uh, I got so hard into the affiliate marketing and media buying business back then. Everything was brand new. It took me um, exactly 10 months to make my first million, which was crazy it was crazy it felt like my life has it felt like i'm living inside like a, a, a full feature movie um honestly so in that year i got really hard into affiliate marketing uh got into some weight loss products um built my own agency and it's so funny when i'm looking at that kid like back back then i just went to like the biggest biggest clients in israel and i would just tell them okay, give me like a, a testing budget. And, you know, they were working with the biggest advertising companies out there, you know, so who, who am I to just come down to their office? And I'm talking about companies that are IPO. They're like in the Israeli, like market, uh, stock market thing. So it's like really huge. And for some reason, they gave me a shot and I kind of like managed to squeeze the other uh, advertising agencies or companies from that budget. And I grew that, um, yeah, from there uh, I went on to getting some really big budgets and running a big political party that's going to be um, the, the, actually the, the prime minister, the next prime minister of Israel that's going to 
uh, go on um, on that job is going to be a part of that uh, political party. And yeah, I opened up a big leads operation back then for payday and uh, installment loans and just like um, a lot of loan products in the US. Um, from there, I remember that I met James Van Elswick four or five years ago, and he just told me, we, we've, we've known each other for more than that, longer than that, but he just told me, you want to go on stage? I think Affiliate World are looking for, uh, so, for speakers, and I think one of my biggest fears was, was just like going on, on a stage. So I decided, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I jumped in like a really big pool went on and did, uh, I think it was the first or second geek out in Barcelona. And then I did Affiliate World. And from there, I just like kept on doing it. So I, I became really good going on stages. Yeah, I remember the first time I met you, you were speaking at uh, Affiliate World in Barcelona. That was in uh, July of 2019. So that no, was... I think it was the, even the second or third Barcelona that I went on to. It wasn't the first one. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, yeah, that was a yeah, that was a that was a good, a very good, you know, presentation. I liked how unpredictable you are. So, <laughs> not your regular. Not your regular yeah, I feel like the. I feel like I feel extremely comfortable on stage now. Yeah, that, that's huge. That's huge. How did you get yourself to become more comfortable on stage? Because a lot of people say it's, it's the second biggest fear for people. Their first fear is the first. I, yeah, I just watched a, a Seinfeld episode because I'm re-watching the whole seasons. And he said, uh, I don't know if it's like legit or how real is it, but he said that that's the first uh, fear people have. Um, yeah. I, I feel like, to be completely honest, I've, I'm probably the guy that went to the most psychiatrists and, and stuff like that that you would know. People don't know it, but... Like the kindergartner's teacher told my mom that I was painting sad um, paintings like with black, um, just like markers and stuff like that. So they decided to, to put me on for like um, uh, psychotherapy. And from there till now, I went to almost 40 of them. So I feel like that has turned me into just like an open book. I'm just like, I, I got to the point where I don't care what people think or say about me to the point where it's crazy i honestly don't care that's a that's a good you know quality to have i mean i've never been to a you know therapist ever and i've, I've always had that uh, you know the feeling of not giving a, a damn you know uh yeah. i guess because we lived in a small apartment and everybody around us was a lot richer than us i guess so people were always like looking down on me that at, that at some point in my life, especially in high school, you know, just like, so I think it's, like you have to dress this way. You, you shouldn't like go out of the house with like yeah. pants. And I'm like, I don't really care what's going to happen. What's going to happen if they see me with like torn pants or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. So, so most people, what I learned uh, when I did a lot of like personal development is that the thing that really mo drives a lot of different kinds of people is what other people think about them. And that's why people go on like certain trends. And that's why people don't really ask uh, questions in class and raise their hand just because they don't want to say something stupid and stuff like that. 
And I think that um, there were two things that really freed me out of that um, way of thinking. The first one would be just understanding that it doesn't matter what you do, how you ask, what you dress, how you dress. People are going to have something to say about you. That's the first thing. Um, and that on its own is really something that's really freeing you. And I think that being an entrepreneur, uh, you have to be free if you want to think in a creative way and just like go, go mm. about your way. And the second thing is that I remember going to this culture and he told me, you know, when a baby comes to this world, he comes, um, he has the potential of doing anything that he wants from walking to actually uh, building a business later on when he grows up. So, but when you buy a new computer, if you, so, so a baby has like um, a startup system, he has like windows installed almost because he can do a bunch of like features potentially. But when you buy a computer, if you don't install the, 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 the operating system, it's called, then you can't really do anything with a computer. You can buy the most expensive computer and you can't even open up a Word document and start writing the, 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 the most essential basic feature that there is maybe. Um, so it's kind of like understanding that each and every one of us is kind of like born with an operating system and we have an option to do whatever we want. It's just that our mind is going to kind of like be trained to do or think in a certain way. So if you think that you are ugly, that's how your brain is going to react. If you think that you're gonna uh, lose a lot of money or not be able to play in that soccer game or um, not be able to, to get inside a company and work or open up that Shopify store that you wanted, whatever, that's how your brain kind of like trains, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that we went this direction because a lot of times on business podcasts, people will just talk about tactics, like increase your budget this way, duplicate the campaign, don't raise the budget. Like all these different things are important, but if you don't have the right mindset and the right relationship with yourself, you won't be able to execute on all of these different things. Um, you said you talked to a lot of different therapists. For people that can't afford therapy or are maybe are not comfortable going to therapy, are there any resources, books, um, things that they can find online that you recommend they go and, and look up to improve their mindsets and be able to grow? You know, it's, it's just creating, I think, two different um, starting habits, okay, just because we're just because we, just a second before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about habits a bit and that books that we have uh, behind you and that I'm reading right now. Um, so I feel like creating two habits. One is actually physically working out is extremely, extremely important. One habit that you have to create. And the second one would be just reading books. It's just like books and music. I think that if you feed your brain certain books and music, that's the brain food. I mean, it's more important than what you eat. You can eat garbage and drink garbage like fast food. But if you listen to good music that's like motivational and keeps on pushing you and, and, and books that actually give you specific stuff that you can actually implement, uh, that's definitely something that is going to push you. But to be completely honest, the thing that has made the biggest change in my life would be um, personal development and um, 
psychiatrists and stuff like that. Um, there is there is nothing better than someone that you relate to, feel open to. And I think that our field of work, our just like being an entrepreneur in 2022, um, the, the affiliate marketing, the agency game, it's so hard that I, I actually treat myself just exactly like any athlete out there, any, any, anyone that would play sports. I think that if someone thinks that he can just like go and open up an agency, deal with clients, deal with media buyers, deal with mistakes that are going to be made, uh, with contracts, with all of that, without getting um, even, I don't know, even like a massage, you know, just like uh, soccer players or, or football or I don't know, players, they, they would go and get like a professional massage because their body is working out so much, you know, just the... the 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 part of us that's using the most calories is the brain and we use the brain constantly like when me and Hassan we go on the affiliate world stage it's people just like look at us and it looks like oh it's like 30 45 minutes so easy that's so draining when you go off stage you know and you have to also be nice to a bunch of people that want to either take a selfie if, if you're as famous as Hassan or just talk to you. Uh, it's, it's really draining. It, it takes a lot of energy. That's true. I mean, so many things are, you know, draining. Like, for, for instance, I would describe myself as an introvert, you know, because uh, I, I find peace when I'm like just sitting by my with my own thoughts, reading or watching or whatever. But then again, if I do too much of that, then I would, I would feel uncomfortable. I would want to, you know, like have yeah. you know, people around, people that I like, you know, around family, friends. Um, I, I it's learned so funny that... that you see yourself as an introvert. It's so funny because, you know, uh, um, Hassan is like one of those people. And I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not someone who just likes everyone. Like I'm really picky with friends and stuff, but when we first talked, it was, first of all, it was even before the peace agreement before uh, between Morocco and Israel. <laughs> Not that I think that either one of us had any prejudice uh, about the other, but um, it was one of those moments where I felt, okay, this guy could be my friend. I was like, it, it might just be something here. And I'm also half Moroccan, so yeah yeah that's the 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 feeling is it's, it's always a it actually feels the same way with me too because i'm not very uh i, I am social sociable in a way but i, I don't i can't make friends, a lot of, i don't have a lot of friends you know like other than that for instance or or you and a bunch of other people you know sometimes it takes a lot of effort to just talk to someone that you're not like yes. very good you know in terms with but when you feel that connection you know it does it does. Uh, it feels really good. Um, so what I'm saying is that uh, being an introvert in a way, um, I do like being social. I do like, you know, going out and doing things like during the three months of, you know, like lockdown. It was very hard on everybody uh, not being able to see my parents who live just 15 minutes away and not being able to talk to people, even if you talk to them all, all, all the time online. But it was just hard. So I learned that there's if you want to be sane in a way, there's always have to be striking that balance between giving yourself enough time to rest, to, to recharge, 
um, and enough time to go out and, you know, like be with people. I love events. To be honest, like one of the things that I, most, I miss the most is public events. And I would tell you, like, if we do, if I go to an event, speak at an event in Morocco, it takes me hours to just like go, just to walk around the place because I would meet people and they would stop me and take pictures and talk to me. And I'm not, I'm the kind of person that wouldn't say no. So I just sit there and answer questions, take selfies. I mean, not because it feels special, but just because I like the idea. But then again, if I do it for more than three days, I'd be like, that's enough. I'll just yeah. go home. And I feel like uh, just going back to that uh, place where I, I said we need to get that massage every mm-hmm. once in a while. I feel like this uh, industry is probably the industry with the highest rate of burnout uh, that you could get to, probably from what I've seen. The number of people that I saw that actually... Like, I'm not a doctor or anything, so I can't diagnose uh, medically and anything, but some people went completely crazy. You know, some people made a lot of money. They worked in a really uh, bad uh, salary job. They started affiliate marketing, made a lot of money, and then whatever they did stopped. Like, all of a sudden, they went down. So it's almost like, you know, the, the life gave them like a taste of like the most amazing thing. And then they told them you can't get it anymore or something like that. So a lot of people are losing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've met a lot of people. I went to Dubai a few months ago to uh, the internet marketing events. And I met a lot of people that were doing affiliate marketing. Uh, and back in the day, they were doing $5,000 a day, making all this money. And this is not revenue. This is like commissions because affiliate marketing, is, a lot of it is profits. And now they are media buyers for bigger affiliate networks. And now they're getting paid, you know, $3,000 a month. And it's, that's, that's very difficult on, on your self-image and your self-worth. Um, from, from the business side, we can think about it like this. I mean, they were using a, a loophole, a trick that was working for a certain period of time because there was no competition in that space. But at the end of the day, the best entrepreneur, the best business person wins. So they didn't realize that what they were doing was great for that moment, but they had to develop the skills to be able to retain that market and that opportunity to grow into that before somebody else who's better than them came in and took their opportunity. And they were also in an opportunity that's a very low entry barrier. Anybody can promote an affiliate offer if, if it's available to the public in the affiliate network, right? So I, th- I think yeah. thinking about that and taking some responsibility in terms of like, hey, why did this happen and how can I prevent it in the future? taking the loss and learning from it and then being able to move forward to get back to that level at a certain time. I think that's very interesting. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's extremely interesting what you said. And that takes me uh, to the place where I created a rule for myself and everyone that I like. And I'm telling everyone, I think the biggest barrier is just like the expectations. Because a lot of people would go and they would listen to podcasts and they would see affiliate marketers on, on uh, conferences, events, or maybe even YouTube. And it always seems like you wake up at 10 a.m., maybe 12 uh, p.m., you just eat something, you click on the computer a bunch of like uh, words uh, for five minutes, you print out a million dollars, you go and drive your uh, Bentley or uh, Lamborghini. And then they go, they want to live that life, of course, you know, because they actually believe it. And, or maybe the, they say, okay, maybe it's five times as hard. So I'll work not five minutes, I'll work, work 25 minutes, half an hour a day. 
And they go, they set up a Shopify store, they go on like a really cool branding designer thing, they get like an amazing product, they launch, they start losing money. So I think the biggest rule for me is that everything that I think of setting up or, or starting, I just take into consideration two things. First one, it's gonna take a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more than the worst case scenario, a lot more in terms of the money that I would have to lose in terms of like the people that I might lose in my life in terms of like litigation costs, anything. That's the first one. And the second one is that I am completely sure of one thing. It's gonna, some shit is gonna happen. I don't know how, why, you know, I started um, not even a business, but like a side project with a friend of mine that I met on, uh, through school. And uh, he didn't have a lot of money. And I, and, I, and I told him, okay, let's start uh, doing whatever we, we decided to do. And at a certain point, he went out with a girl, thought that this girl would be his wife, went out with her a couple more times, understood that she's not going to be even his girlfriend, felt really bad. And that, at that day, he decided to get some campaigns going. So he set up a couple of campaigns on Facebook, and guess what? Instead of, for example, $50 a day, daily budget, he put on 500,000. And those were agency accounts that were unlimited, uncapped. So usually accounts on Facebook are limited to 20,000 a day. So we all went to sleep. And lucky for us, it took some time for the ads to get approved. And I woke up for some reason on that specific day on 6.30 a.m. That campaign spent $51,000 and made 1,000 profit, not profit, sorry, uh, revenue. So it, he, the campaign lost 50,000, of course. The second I woke up, I closed that uh, campaign and I told the guy, you know what, that's okay. You know, because I was so trained mentally that it didn't even hurt me. And I told that, that guy, you know, you could say, oh, Maor, he has a lots, of, lots of money, 50 grand for him is nothing. But even 50 grand for someone who has a lot of money, you know, I could spend it on better stuff, you know, than a six hour sleep or something like that. You know, I have better ideas on, on what to spend 50 grand on. Uh, me and uh, Hassan could go on Affiliate World and buy some champagne bottles and just like uh, fly them through the roof. Uh, or like get an, a helicopter ride or something like that uh, with machine guns maybe on the sides <laughs> of the helicopters. I don't know what 50 grand buys, but there are definitely better stuff to do with that. So uh, expectation is something extremely, extremely, extremely important because if you don't expect it to be extremely hard, then you're going, going to just uh, be disappointed. You're going to launch it. Uh, you would be completely fired up during the first couple of weeks or months, but it's not going to last. So I feel like expectation is a big thing. Um, and I also think uh, that the industry really divides into a lot of different types of people. But if we have to really simplify it and talk about that specific thing that you said, it kind of like divides into two. People who are always trying to find that next loophole, just like you said, and are trying to find how 
they can make another 10 grand, five grand, three grand a day. And just like um, another hack, another loophole, another thing. And people who kind of like grew up, you know, I feel like affiliate marketing, you're just looking at the start for that easy cash. And then you understand that even researchers uh, show that white hat stuff, building a brand might be harder. The chances might be slimmer, but throughout time, you're going to make a lot more money than the, the, the gray, um, black stuff, or just like shortcuts and stuff like that. So uh, I, my advice to everyone who's doing the, I call it almost like the, the mouse race or the red right, maze, right. whatever, yeah. So even if you're still doing it, do yourself a big favor because one day, you know, you're in a business when one day you refresh the page, everything goes to shit. The offer closes, you, you lose your small unfair advantage, maybe you don't even have one. Uh, nowadays, because affiliate marketing has become such a big thing and it's been promoted for so long, a lot of peop people pivoted into affiliate marketing. So it's almost right now, it's almost, you know, I compare it always uh, a la, to, uh, to Vegas. You know, have you ever been to Vegas? Not yet. So Vegas is almost like for, for the first time that you go, it's almost like a washing machine. Why I call it the washing machine? Because you go, and it's so funny, the flight attendants would tell you if you ask them. On the way to Vegas, everyone's happy. On the way back from Vegas, the, the flights are completely silent. No one's happy. No one's even talking, usually, okay? If it's like a touristic uh, flight, most likely. But uh, And the, the, the reason for that is that Vegas kind of like knows how to take you, get you into the washing machine, let you just like go on some parties, lose some money in the casino, go on some shows and just throws you or spits you right out where you came from. And the affiliate marketing industry and digital marketing in general, even agency, is kind of like, like that right now. It's, you know, every day there are three new Mexican, five new Indians, 10 new Israeli guys that want to open up a business. They go, they build a Facebook page, an Instagram profile. They have a website. They have everything. They start building clients. They lose a bunch of money on campaigns. They try to run some affiliate offers. They lose a bunch of money there. They go out. The next day, a new batch of Indians, Mexicans, Moroccan, Israeli guys come along. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a poker table where everyone is losing money. Some are making money during a certain period of time, but it's just a matter of time till the, the, the table is going to be completely replaced and they're going to transfer that amount to another person. And I mean, I understand that. Uh, and during our last episode with Nick, we talked about this thing, this idea is that everything was easier 10 years ago, five years ago, depending on what you were doing, right? Um, and it fe almost feels like whoever succeeded back in the day when it was easy, almost didn't really deserve it because it was easy. Um, so the real work or the real, you know, when, you know, when it happens now, after the competition grows, after it's becomes saturated or whatever they call it, that's the worst, where the real business is. That's where the real people, you know, that's when you really deserve to be. 
If you stayed in affiliate marketing, if you stayed, you, you had an agency, you never quit. If you started a, an e-commerce store and you've been at it for 15 years, that means you're, you're a real business person, real, real entrepreneur, and not like just the thousands and millions of people who quit whatever. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I don't, first of all, you could say that about a bunch of stuff, about Bitcoin, about being a CPA, a lawyer, everyone like back in the day, you know, there weren't so many lawyers. Now, each like second person that went to school with me is a lawyer, someone that I wouldn't like let, let them tie my shoe is, is presenting or representing people at, at, in court. Everyone's a coacher now, you know, everyone goes on TikTok, everyone has business advice. They haven't worked a day in their life. So the fake stuff is like really growing. Um, so I, I feel like uh, the main thing is not being a real entrepreneur. And I'm really glad you brought Nick to this conversation because I think that, not brought, but brought up, sorry. Um, I, 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 feel, I feel like Nick is an amazing example. And I'm not saying that because we talk together on Geek Out and because we're friends. I'm talking about really being objective I think Nick is a true leader and that separates more than being a real entrepreneur. Yes, it's about sticking throughout uh, the tough times of having an agency and it's about how you build a brand. Okay, so his structured social company is definitely a brand, but the bigger brand is him. So he managed to do that, but also be extremely humble. I don't know anyone that would say anything bad about Nick. And I watched him like throughout the Geek Out 2021 tour. Uh, I, I, I stayed with him in, on the same hotels and I know uh, Shanice is uh, now fiance. And, you know, I really tried to study the guy. The guy is legit in terms of like being a real leader, you know? My dog is getting crazy. My dog loves Nick's too. Uh, so it's like being a true leader. That's what it's all about. And that's how you, you really stick with whatever. Yeah. That, that's, that's totally true. Uh, I have a similar story to your $50,000 uh, <laughs> mistake. Uh, a few years ago, I had hired a new media buyer. We had a, a client's uh, a campaign that was running through an ad account in the Netherlands. Um, so it's not no, sorry, in, in Norway. So in Norway, they have a different currency from, from the USD. We're usually used to doing USD. And I gave him a budget of launching ads for $400, right? And he converted it to from 400 to whatever, Norwegian kroner or whatever. And then he copied it from Google, from the Google results to the Google ads accounts. And because his Google, uh, his computer is on the French system, which is different from the American system, a dot is the same is not the same as the period. So instead of putting four hundred dollars, he put in four hundred thousand dollars, and then a few hours later, we get a notification: spent twelve thousand dollars, no ROI. We had to pause it right there, and we had to go and fix it. We figured out a way to fix it, but it's it's it can get crazy when you don't have those cap limits, and if you don't have those automated. Yes, yeah, so I feel like um, going back to what I said, you know, it's, it's funny because when I said the story, I watched, I looked at your face and I could see the trauma. I was waiting for you to tell me the story that happened to you. Okay. You could see the difference between Hassan and you. Yeah. Definitely. It hurts. The so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the biggest thing is, first of all, predicting that it's going to happen. 
no matter what you do, shit is going to happen. It's not guaranteed that you're going to succeed or make money. The only thing that's guaranteed is that you're going to incur uh, some obstacles down the road. That's the first thing. And the biggest thing is how you react to it. How is it registered in your brain? So when you said that, I don't know if you noticed me, but I was like uh, laughing because yeah. I turned it into a joke. You know, I'm, I'm trying to not even think about it for a second as a bad situation. I'm looking at the benefits. I'm looking at, first of all, it could, it could have spent in my case, 100,000 or 200,000, but I, I managed to stop it at 51, which is nice. The second thing is that if there is anyone to lose money with, is that, is that person? And also that person now knows that I'm legit. I'm going to stick with him even if bad things happen. So he knows that, you know, that's, I almost bought, I went to the store and bought $51,000 worth of friendship and, and trustworthiness, you know, because this guy, you know, I, I leveled up the relationship right now, which is something big, you know, it's almost, you know, that, uh, that exercise when you, the, it's almost like when you see like in, in movies, when you have your partner is standing like in front of you and he falls down and you have to catch him. You're doing it so that his brain would register that he could trust you in, in certain ways. So that's exactly what happened here. It's about how, how fast you jump uh, from that situation and how you, you register it in your brain, definitely. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I wish I, had, I would have handled it the way you handled it. I, I didn't handle it completely horribly, but it was, it was fine. I'm actually, that media buyer is still very close to me right now, and he's doing a lot better in his career, and we're helping, you know, I'm helping him grow his career too. And that client, I went on to do, you know, probably a hundred times bigger numbers with that client after that, because we were able to figure out a way to, to solve that issue. Um, Allah, let me let me tell you what you should have done. You should have said, unfortunately, that media bar is no longer alive. <laughs> we, we do not know what happened to him. He went on a trip alone and mysteriously disappeared right after this case. He went for a walk. We don't know he where. Really liked, yeah, some people say that he liked the forest. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Actually, yeah. yeah. Mistakes do happen, but, you know, my mistakes, the, the way they happen, they, you know, uh, they're not as big as, you know, spending 50000 in one night because we don't really run ads, but we, we do have issues. Uh, just recently, we've had some unexpected expenses from AWS, for, for example, because we didn't know what to uncheck and check. So instead of spending $200 a month on AWS, we end up spending $2,000, something like that. But then again, in a lot of ways, when it happens, I'm always just, you know, honest about it. It's like, well, it was a mistake. We, and I never, you know, go out and say I'm uh, offer a refund or whatever. But in a lot of ways, the client, uh, you don't want it to happen with anybody. You want it to happen with, you know, the good kind of clients. Uh, yeah. If it happens with a jerk, you know, you, you end up, uh, you know, uh, not just, you know, ended up in a big fight and, you know, losing the trust and, they might end up going out and starting to badmouth you to other people. Oh, my client was oh, definitely. My, my That's client, such a big thing. Yeah, it happened to me with a, with a jerk. My client was like just business, business. Like you're gonna give me this money back, and we found a way to to solve it. Right? We can talk about it after the podcast. 
Um, but but he he handled it the way like there, there's no friendship here. Like this, um, that's money I, I lost, and you know that's true. Like I fucked up. That was my mistake. I owned it. We fixed it. We got it fixed. And because I got it fixed, and because the business was good, at, in a couple of years later, we did a lot bigger things together. Because you know you want to take that that responsibility. And I, I see totally what you mean. But in my case, he was the jerk, and I still was able to make make good out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that makes sense. So the, the thing is that when you're saying it was my mistake, it's it's I think it's a no, I don't know if it's like a philosophical question um, or it's just like an ethical uh, debate. But you can also ask yourself because there there is always in these kinds of like situation there there is always another fifty percent. So when you're saying um, it's your mistake, first of all, technically, technically, it's not your mistake because it's one of your employees. But because he's one of your employees, you can't really ask that employee to, to pay that money. But if it's someone that is partnered with you and he's benefiting from the revenue that you're making, why shouldn't he pay for 50% of the losses as well? You know what I mean? So there's always that thing, but I think that something that we all can agree on is that it really shows the true color of someone when, when, when shit hits the fan. Well, I'll tell you what happened. The media buyer actually did offer to pay the money back, like $12,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like he didn't even make that, I think, a year back then. Uh, now he makes a lot more because um, we're still working together. But it showed his true color. It showed me the true colors of the client. And it showed me that even to myself, like if something bad like this happens, yes, technically it's not my mistake, but I hired the guy. I should have reviewed everything that he did before he launched it. I should have had automated rules set up so that it doesn't spend that much money. Like there was a lot of different things that I could have done. And by me saying, taking 100% of the responsibility, even though maybe a, a small percentage of it was not mine, it gives me control over the situation. And going back to self-therapy, Yes, definitely. Something that I've been working, uh, I, I've done it a long time ago, and I think that it really sticked with me. Uh, it's just like, you, I, I feel like you really have to, to really understand where the point where you kind of like beat yourself too much about it, you know, because at the end of the day, again, talking about the other 50%, that client also had access to the account, most probably. Yeah. And it's his brand. And, you know, like he, he could have created a set of rules for himself that every night before he goes to sleep, he also checks the account. I'm not saying again that it wasn't your fault, but I'm just saying. Yeah, this can get unhealthy for sure. I fully agree with that. You have to like, if, if it gets too bad on yourself, then, then you definitely have to, to calibrate that. I, I want to go back to expectations because you made a very good point that you have to expect that it's going to be very hard but you also told us the story in the beginning that it took you 10 months to make your first million, which is, would you say that's a realistic expectation for most people? Nowadays, no. Totally. Uh, first of all, uh, it really depends on the age that you're in mm -hmm. and how much you're willing to sacrifice. You know, um, I remember uh, that I walked on stage in Barcelona just before uh, the affiliate world. And I said on my first geek out that, on that 10 months or one year, um, I didn't really do anything besides learning and pushing my business. That's what I did. I'm not joking, maybe 18 to 20 hours a day. And I, I, I had this joke when I said, 
Uh, so I didn't meet any friends. I didn't go out and I didn't fuck. Not that it was like too hard for me not to fuck. It's not like girls are throwing themselves at me. Um, and, uh, and you know, it, it's, it's, it was the completely true uh, truth because I, I wasn't doing anything besides that. So if you feel like you can, and that, by the way, that's something that Tony Robbins and a lot of other coaches are saying that every time that you want to achieve something extremely big in your life, you have to get into an obsessive kind of like mindset. That's all you need or, or want to think about. And um, if you're willing to put yourself in that sp specific situation, I mean, things happened in a shorter period of time, okay? Uh, I'm just saying that don't expect it, you know? So even if something happens, I didn't expect it at all. I, I didn't think that, I, that the goal of making a million bucks was something that I uh, wanted to do by the time that I, I was 30. So I was like really far off. Uh, it was like something like 10 years, you know, when I took the calculator and kind of like divided 10 years into months into stuff like that just to see how much I need to make um, each day, um, yeah. So what, what, what happened after you got, you got to the million dollars? Like, what, did you go crazy? Did you spend all of it? Did you, were you like wise with your money? What happened in terms uh, of, you're thinking about money and how, how you kind of reacted to it like the net, over the next few years? Uh, that's a really good question. So the first thing, if you're asking about the specific point in time in which I, um, I got to the million dollars, the first thing I did was pay my parents' debt. The first thing I did was actually take a screenshot over the phone and send them to my parents. And then I paid off all of their debt, which was quite big. Um, I booked a flight for me and my dad to go to Vegas. And then I took my mom on a trip to London. It's not like they're divorced. Now it sounds like they're divorced, but they're not. I just took uh, each, each one. Um, and I, I think a year or two years, something like that. Uh, later, I took them on like a Royal Caribbean cruise. And like um, I took the whole family, even my sister, uh, to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, I bought a BMW and started, uh, I, I lived by the sea and did a bunch of stuff, but I kept on pushing. I feel like the next uh, three or four years looking back is kind of like where I was like uh, completely drunk just because I was printing money back then. Like I was printing money. I had my agency, extremely big clients. I was doing stuff on the payday loans industry. I was like really living the dream back then. Um, and I felt like it changed me into being like a hyper intensive person. And I was like really condescending to people. I completely lost touch with reality, asking myself why people even have to work. It's like, I, I didn't really understood why people would work for someone else or why um, people would work for certain amounts and stuff like that. And it took me some time to keep making money, but like understanding that, you know, just like, I feel like if I wasn't coming from such a poor city and a poor, um, model back home that I could have seen, then I probably would have taken it differently. 
but I kind of like tested all of the, not cliches, but uh, I don't even know how it's called, but the, the theories, you know, they tell you, oh, you'll buy the biggest BMW, you'll get lots of girls, bought it, no girls. That, <laughs> oh, you, you need to move down to the sea, you'll have lots of girls, move down to the sea, no girls. And, you know, you'll get this amazing Pomeranian dog and yeah, your chicks will just like go and talk to you over the street and stuff like that. Bought it, chicks actually talk to me, but I don't answer now because I don't want them touching my dog. So it's just like, um, you kind of like want to test everything out, so. So you can skip the BMW, the mansion, just get the dog. <laughs> yeah, everyone that's listening, just buy a really cute dog um that doesn't bite and uh yeah go and just walk down the street that's that's awesome what what would be the aside from setting the right expectations what would be some good advice that you would give to people that have maybe not starting out but people that have just started making serious money like now they have six figures seven figures in their bank accounts and they've never had that in the past this is a different experience for them what would you say were maybe some of the mistakes or learning lessons that you had that you can pass on to them? And what should they do with their money? Um, okay, so the, the first thing I had to teach myself was how to think like a rich person and how to invest because I did not know what to do. It almost was like uh, the secrets of people that have money, what they know and their family knows and their parents taught them that I didn't know because my dad and mother were not investors. They did not know anything about real estate or stock market. Um, they still don't own any apartment or, or anything like that. So I would say the biggest thing would be invest that money. And it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand, a million dollars, even 50 grand, 10 grand, see how you kind of like send that money to go and bring some friends with it. That means not buying any cool watch, not flying on a vacation. Keep, you know, it's almost like you, you sell bread when it's, when it's hot and right straight out of the oven. You don't wait. If you're riding a wave and making some money and you have a business momentum going on, don't go on like a weird safari trip or uh, Costa Rica to ride some waves. I see a lot of people, uh, you know, the first thing that they do is they go, they buy the BMW, you know, the Mercedes is park, parked outside and dude, what the fuck? You just, it's the first year you're opening up. You need to fucking hustle and grind. And even if you're making money, then scale it. Open up another branch of whatever you're doing. Uh, open up another brand, you know? So you need to make sure that you invested and reinvested. And that's what I did with my fitness center and my brand and, and stuff like that. Because I see people are all around me, you know, even my partners with the, the, the fitness center, that's all they're doing. So when there's a lockdown, they're completely fucked. But I'm like in a really amazing situation because I have my public stuff. I have my consultations. I have my agency. I have that. I have that. And I also, of course, I have reserves. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, that's the first thing that I would, uh, I would suggest. And also the second thing, which is really specific, if you are a media buyer, 
I'm not really answering your questions, but that's just something that I wanted to say because I started building my, my um, affiliate world presentation. And one thing that I decided that I'm going to say to everyone, because I, I created like a, a um, I just asked a bunch of questions on like um, media buyers, uh, ad groups on Facebook and stuff. And I realized 80 or 90% of people that are currently buying media are just buying media on Facebook, just Facebook, nothing else. They don't have experience buying on anywhere else. And I feel like this industry and those people specifically are by definition in an abusive relationship. I feel like everyone that has to deal with Facebook is just like being abused. You know, you go, you open up your computer, refresh the account, and you don't know if you're going to get your business manager or personal advertising access or, uh, or account itself banned, which is crazy. Okay. And it doesn't happen anywhere else. And Facebook won't even tell you what you're doing wrong and what you need to fix. So I feel like going out of Facebook, exploring other media buying uh, platforms like Google, like TikTok, like na native ads and stuff like that is something that definitely every media buyer should do because it's non-sustainable the way that Facebook is reacting and, and what we as advertisers have to really go through uh, nowadays. And yeah. I feel like we gave them a lot of time to, to collect it, you know, and they haven't. It's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit to the investing part. So you said whether you have 50K or a million dollars, you should ask your money to go and bring some friends with it. The question is where to invest. Should they invest in their own business or in starting a, a new business? Or when is the right time to go and start buying real estate or stock market or crypto is looking good? How do you think about that? So I feel like um, I have two rules. The first rule is that listen to no one because it doesn't matter if you see someone on YouTube or the TV, if it's Bloomberg or CNN, no one knows what the stock market is going to do, especially uh, when we're talking about single stocks and especially when we're talking about a shorter period of time. The second rule is that um, if you have a smaller amount of money, you need to be more aggressive with your investments. And if you have a larger amount of money, you need to start, first of all, uh, taking less risk and start spreading it out. I feel for anyone that's an entrepreneur, the best way and the best place to invest would be in other businesses, open up more and more businesses. Outside of that, if we're talking about passive incomes, um, I don't know how the stock market, for example, in Morocco is, or how the, the real estate market in Morocco is. But I would start with the stock market just because it's easier to liquefy the money if you decide to invest it in other businesses. Like, for example, if a business opportunity comes and you don't have that money to really inject into the business in, in order to scale or do anything, and you have to wait for someone to purchase your apartment and then go through the process and stuff like that, that, that might be really um, capping your, your business. So I would go and say, first place to invest would be businesses that are closer to you, that you can bring any type of benefit or that you have an unfair advantage, advantage with. Um, and the second place would be the stock market.
That's that's great advice. That's great advice. Uh, you said you like to read a lot and you like uh, working out. What are maybe the top one, two, three books that you've read that have helped you in business, but also with your relationship with yourself and learning how to, to deal with all of that? Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, because I have so much time, like I wouldn't say really free time, but, but like, you know, I just like try and read um, whenever I can. So even if it's like when I shower, when I wake up, I have a speaker, I turn on like my books on Audible. And when I walk my dog, I walk, the, I walk my dog like five times a day. So I have like 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And I always uh, hear it on like um, a higher speed. So I think that my top uh, couple of books for anyone that's starting out, I feel like Tony Robbins is unshakable that talks about the stock market uh, and really interviews people like Ray Dalio there and really uh, smart people is a really good book. Um, I also liked um, something that I feel like two books that are kind of like the essential stuff would be the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, which also talks about investing and stuff like that. Uh, and the second one would be how to win friends and influence people by uh, Carl Carnegie, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do have another question, and this should, you, you can be you can take it as long as you want. You can you can be brief about it if you want. Um, how do you manage your time between you know ma like managing all these businesses that you said? Do you like invest in your time? in it or is just basically are you some kind of you know silent partner and how does it usually work with your day so believe it or not but i do not work that hard and i have a lot of free time so it's really dynamic uh the main reason for that is the structure of my companies so i have people that work um ceos and stuff like with the fitness centers and people that I really trust. So I don't even have to go there unless I want to work out or just I come for like a meeting or I want to check out the place. So that takes a lot of what I, uh, I need to do uh, in terms of time. Um, and with my other businesses, what I usually would do is non-time consuming because I'm extremely fast when it comes to technically working. So uh, setting up campaigns, optimizing is something that ex that's extremely uh, easy for me. Uh, my first um, half hour of each day would start with me walking my dog, just drinking tea and reading some news, maybe stock market news and stuff like that. And then I have something like in between an hour to two hours where I go on all campaigns, all platforms. I refresh the page and start to see what the campaign did yesterday and how to optimize, make a couple of decisions, create my uh, the plan that I'm going to do my task list for, for that specific day. And then I start doing it. That sounds like a dream life, bro. <laughs> You're basically telling us you, you've come full circle. You've, you are basically just doing whatever you want and you don't have as much... Uh, you know, responsibilities and you don't have to spend so much time doing climbing. I don't feel like I'm working, you know, even when I go on like geek outs and stuff like that, it's me meeting friends, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like work. So I, I definitely reached an amazing point. And 
hopefully, hopefully by next year, if I turn on this specific episode, then I would, uh, I would, I would make a joke about the fact that uh, my dream through this 2022 would be creating a family like you have. Oh yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's I'll, let me tell you something. It's very, very worth it. You know, um, especially given the right partner, you know, uh, making babies is easy, but you know, finding the best <laughs> partner is the, is, the, is, the, is the tough part. So with that, uh, we have more who, who live this dream life with a lot of people who would love to, you know, like live this life. Where can they find you where they can reach you um, online? Um, so the main two platforms would be Instagram and Facebook. Um, and I also have my YouTube channel, which is not really uh, super up to date, but I still have some of my new uh, talks and keynotes and stuff like that over there. So that would be the places to find me, definitely. Well, uh, let me tell you this. Thank you so much again for being with us on this episode uh this is this was different it was not like scripted or anything uh we just wanted to go with the flow talk to you about anything and everything and you know we're glad it went well and i hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did thank you again more for being with us thank you guys thank you